1: Because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. Second Thessalonians 2:13. Paul praises this church for the way they receive the word of God. How do you receive the word of God? Do you question its truth? Do you question its validity? Or do you receive it as what it really is, the inherent, infallible Word of God?
0: Pastor Dave issues a challenge to us in today's message. Are we willing to take the Bible, the whole Bible, and believe that it is completely inspired by God? This can be hard when we come to difficult passages, but it's necessary for us to know and also fully believe God. Everything we read has been given by our Creator. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 1 as he continues his message, Biblically Based and Balanced. Sure.
1: We should love Bible study. We should love getting along with God, opening up His Word, studying it, reading it, allow Him to minister to me. One of the best times I ever had, and by far, please, it's only happened one time. I'm not up here as a bragger, but one of the best times I ever had was one time I opened up the Bible, and I was reading, and the Lord ministered to me through one word. It was the neatest thing. I've ever had happen to my entire life. It only happened once. I can't regenerate that. Okay, Lord, which word are you going to talk to me today? It doesn't work that way. It just happened to be that one time. God wants to get you alone. He wants you to get you in his word so that he can speak to you. Word of God, speak. Is that how you come to church? Word of God, speak to me today. That's why I'm here. I want to hear from you, creator of the universe. The one who created me. Speak to my heart today. That's why I'm here fill me. I'm not here because I have to be. I'm not here because it's Sunday and that's what we do. I'm here to hear from you, Lord. It's important. In verse 17 and verse 18a, we read this. For he, talking about Judas again, was numbered with us and obtained a part of this ministry. Now this man purchased the field with the wages of iniquity. Now we know from several passages of Scripture, Matthew 27, verse 10, it says in Matthew 27, verse 10, I'll begin with verse 9. Then this fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the value of him who was the children of Israel priced, and gave them for a potter's field, as the Lord directed. And also in Zechariah 11.13, in 11.13, it also talks about Judas when it says, And the Lord said to me, Throw it to the potter, that pricely price they set on me. So I took the thirty pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord, the potter was originally a potter's field. And you can imagine, after years of the potter in there doing his thing and making mistakes and throwing the pot stuff out there, it didn't become useful for anything except a burial plot. So they had this field outside. It accumulated. But in verse 18b, it says, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his entrails gushed out. He was disemboweled. Now, who's thinking... Wait a minute. Contradiction. Uh, contradiction. The Bible's. Con- I told you the Bible had contradiction in it. What are you talking about? Ah, there's contradictions all over the place. I can't trust this thing. There's no contradictions here. But the skeptics always cry out that there's a contradiction here. We hear this all the time. According to the scriptures that we have before us, Luke and Matthew tell us that Judas went out and hung himself. The rope broke, he fell, and his insides fell out. It's a simple thing. The Bible isn't full of contradictions, it's full of explanations. It tells us things, it guides us things. Because the Bible is God's word, it is true and it is accurate. This brings us to another word we need to examine when studying this distinctive of biblically based, the word inerrant. So You have inspired and you have inerrant. Inerrant means full of truth. It means no mistakes, infallible, infallible. These early believers had confidence in the Scriptures. They believed that the Scriptures to be the Word of God and therefore the inerrant, infallible. Because God had written it, it had come to pass. They had great confidence, as I said, in the Word of God. And they gave testimony. When they gave testimony of God, they gave it through the Word of God. When they preached salvation, they preached through the Word of God. They had confidence. Everything they said was according to the Scriptures. Remember, the only scriptures they had was the Old Testament. But they preached salvation. Later, when Paul was writing to the church at Thessalonica, he says this, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. 2 Thessalonians 2.13 Paul praises this church for the way they receive the Word of God. How do you receive the Word of God? Do you question its truth? Do you question its validity? Or do you receive it as what it really is, the inerrant, infallible Word of God? Perhaps you believe that some of the Bible is true and some of it is not so true. Then my question would be is, how do you decide which parts are true and which parts are not true? If you believe in some parts, why don't you believe in all the parts? If you don't believe in some parts, then why don't you believe in any of it? It doesn't make sense to me. There's a danger when you get to that point. There's a danger when you start picking and choosing which verses in the Bible you would believe. I don't know if I've said it from up here, but I'll say it now. I can make this Bible justify anything I want to do. Anything. If I misinterpret it and cut out the things I don't want. Many people say that over the years, man has tainted the word of God by adding his own opinions. This is a false notion. And the Dead Sea Scrolls helped to disprove this fact, this notion that man added. Until the Dead Sea Scrolls were found in 1948, I believe the oldest manuscript they had of Isaiah was dated to within 500 years of his life. When they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, they looked at this parchment and they dated it to 300 years in the life of, 200 years earlier. When they took the 500-year-old scroll, when they took the 300-year-old scroll, when they took the King James Version of the Bible, guess what? There was not ne'er a word missing. There were no differences. The Jews had done exactly what God had told them to do. They had cared for the Word of God. They had written it down meticulously, and they had transcribed it from page to page. I don't know if you know this, but the scribes were these taskmasters who were over top of them. And they had to do all the ceremonial washing and stuff like that. And when they wrote the word of God, if they made a mistake, that parchment had to be ripped up and they had to go back out and do all kinds of washings and stuff like that. If they made too many mistakes, well, you don't want to know what happened to them then. They had to transcribe it exactly as it was, the word of God. So the word of God was passed down through the ages by these men. And I thank God for them. I thank God for their dedication to our Lord and their faithfulness to our Lord to give us what we now have in this Bible, the Word of God. It's wonderful to be able to look at it. This is an important lesson for us to learn that we need to be a people that are biblically based. All too often we fall in error when we fail to learn the full content of Scripture and fail to respect the Scriptures as the Word of God. If we understand the content, if we understand the context, we will avoid in getting caught in the heretical teachings of today. And believe me, there are many out there. This is one of the reasons why out here at Calvary Chapel Cape May. We go through the scriptures line upon line, verse upon verse, precept upon precept, so that you receive the full counsel of God. We don't skip anything. When a hard scripture comes up, we address it and we talk about it. But we need to be careful because some of our brothers and sisters are being carried away on every wind of false doctrine. And they're accepting experiences and they're accepting teaches based upon suppositions, deductive thought, and experience-oriented expressions without checking to see if they have a scriptural basis. For some reason, we see this as a trend in the Christian church today. If you can feel it, if you can experience it, it must be real and it must be from God. Paul, writing again to young Timothy, again in Second Timothy four, verses one to five, says this to his young son in the Lord. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, Timothy, be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. You know, some of our brothers and sisters have turned to this careless logic. They have itching ears. We need to learn a better way to determine reality. Remember what I said a while back? If you can't read it, you don't need it. And if you read it, you need to heed it. It's a catchy little phrase, but it's true. What it means is is that you can't clearly prove a teaching and experience spiritual activity from Scripture, then you need to question their origin and the value it is to a fellowship. But if you see a biblical basis for something, then we should do our best to accept it, to believe it, and to practice it because we know that it comes straight from the mouth of God and word of God speak. He speaks it. So the early believers were biblically based, and it was a distinctive that they held to. And I believe that we also need to strike a balance with our scriptures. At Calvary Chapel, we like to strike a balance with scriptures, and we don't like to divide the body of Christ, especially over non-essential issues. Again, Paul writing to his young son, Timothy, it says, be diligent to present yourself approved of God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. That's the new King James. I happen to like the original King James version that says, study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. This is Second 2 Timothy 2.15. Quoting from the book Calvary Chapel Distinctives by Pastor Chuck Smith. He says that when the Bible speaks clearly, we must as well. But on the other issues, we try to recognize the spiritual validity on both sides of the debate and avoid excluding or favoring those in one camp or another. An example of this kind of inclusiveness is found in our approach to the debatable issue concerning the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We do not take a typical Pentecostal view nor do we take a typical Baptist view. In essential doctrines of faith, we must stand firm. But in non-essential areas, we accept that people may have varying views and accept that these in the spirit of grace. It's important to recognize that we can agree to disagree and still maintain spirit, unity, and love. Remember, our unity is in Jesus Christ, and that is where our unity lies. We at Calvary Chapel do believe in the validity of the gifts of the Spirit and that these gifts can be expressed today. However, we do not believe in the excesses that often accompany a freedom in the use of the gifts. So we avoid this controversy. Not that we avoid the gifts, we avoid the controversy of the excessiveness. Another example of maintaining balance on a debatable issue is our approach to Calvinism. Now this is an area where people really get emotional about. At Calvary Chapel we are neither five-point Calvinist, nor are we an Arminian. We do believe in the security of the believer, but we do not believe that you can lose your salvation because you lost your temper. We believe in the security of the believer, but we also believe in the perseverance of the saints. We don't believe that because you're a saint, you will necessarily persevere, but you need to persevere because you're a saint. It was Jesus in John 8:31 said this, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples. And then he says this in John 15:6-7, If you do not abide in me, or the person that does not abide in me is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and then gather them and cast them into the fire and they burn. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. It was Jesus that brought up the possibility of a person not abiding in him. So we seek a balance. Do I believe there's eternal security? Absolutely I believe there's eternal security. As long as you're abiding in Jesus Christ, that's what the scripture says. I do believe that. Ask yourself the question, when do I question my eternal security? If you have or have. When do I question my eternal, I'll tell you when I question my eternal security, when I'm out doing something that I'm not supposed to be doing. When I'm dabbling in things that aren't scriptural, when I'm trying to do Dave's way instead of God's way through the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden the thought comes in, gee, if I'm doing this, I must not be saved. And i got to run right back into the arms of Jesus Christ, abiding in Him. And I never question my eternal salvation when I'm abiding in Jesus Christ. I never question. It is a no question. If you want to dig deeper into this subject, I'll suggest the book Calvary Chapel of Distinctives by Chuck Smith. It happens to be available in our bookstores. Sorry for the terrible plug. But there is a balance to Scripture. In one Scripture, we read about the sovereignty of God. And in the very next Scripture, we read about the responsibility of man. There is a balance there. There's a balance. When I try to think and bring God into my confines of my intellect, I experience a time of great frustration. First of all, my intellect and God. I mean, can you imagine that? Can you try to understand eternity? Can you try to understand infinity? Can you try to imagine the limitlessness of space? How far have you gotten before you hit a roadblock? We need to realize that God is greater than that and can be confined. Or he can't be understood in our mind. He says this himself in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, if God says that his ways are beyond finding out, guess what? They're beyond finding out. As we go through the word of God, when we come across scriptures that speak of the sovereignty of God, we will teach the sovereignty of God. But when we come across scriptures that teach the responsibility of man, we will teach the responsibility of man. That way, you get a balanced diet. Because the Scripture says both. The Scripture says both. I don't want to belabor the issue on eternal security, but if you want to show me a a Scripture that says I have eternal security, I will read it and go, yeah, but what about this Scripture? And I'll show you one that says maybe our eternal security is up for grabs. We can go back and forth through Scriptures. But I'm going to abide in Christ knowing that that's where my eternal security lies, in Jesus Christ. And if one of my brothers of the Lord who happens to believe otherwise, we can still fellowship because it's salvation through Jesus Christ, which is the main issue. That's the main issue. We want to be careful not to fall into doctrinal error. This leads to being shipwrecked and destruction. We won't want to be guilty of that. We want to be correctly dividing or rightly dividing the word of truth as we see in the spiritual basis. That's the reason Peter brought up replacing Judas because he read about it in the word of God. It was there, so he brings it up. He was trying to act on what he believed to be true. And he knew that it came from God's Word, it had to be truth. So he wanted to get it out there. His actions were biblically based. And he could point to the Scriptures to support those actions. The early church was biblically based church, correctly dividing the Scriptures. We sang a song entitled Breathe. You know, one of the lines in that says, this is my daily bread. This is my daily bread, your very word spoken to me. God has given us his word for a reason. He's given us a word that we might know him and know his character, that we might come into a relationship with him through his word. Oh, how lucky we are that his word even exists. How fortunate we are that we have the word of God that we can run to and that we can look at. His word of life gives us sustenance. It's the actual sustenance on which we thrive on. Matthew says that in Matthew 4, verse 4, when he says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. His words give us sustenance, give us actual life. Just like the early church, we want to be biblically based. We want the whole Bible. We must use the whole Bible. And we must balance the Scriptures with Scriptures as we seek to follow God's Word together. As we seek to follow God's Word together. And when we follow God's Word together, His will will be revealed for us. And we will know it's God's will because it's coming right from His Scriptures to our hearts. And we will know that God is in charge of this. And God is doing it because we have His Word on it. The early church thrived on the Word of God. The early church looked to the Word of God for everything. I'm going to end with this. Take a minute, turn a couple books ahead, 1 Corinthians. Now remember what we said when we began this study today, that the only scriptures they had at that time was the Old Testament. Jesus came and fulfilled the Old Testament. So if you're in 1 Corinthians, if you're in chapter 15... Look at verses 3 and 4 as I give to you the gospel message. Here is the gospel message by Paul to the Corinthian church. Verse 3 of chapter 15, 1 Corinthians. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And he got that from Old Testament teachings, from Old Testament knowledge, because he loved the Word of God, and he read the Word of God, and he was full of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit helped him to correctly divide the Word of God. And that is the gospel message. If you ever are lack of words when you want to share the gospel message with somebody, if you ever get to that point and you want to share the gospel message, break out the Bible. Go to... 1 Corinthians 15, and there it is. There's the gospel message right there. Right there in front of you in two verses. Paul later on tells the Roman church that if you believe in your heart that God rose him from the dead and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, I know he wrote it the other way around. Gotta remember, my brain didn't go that way. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is the gospel message that he's explaining right here in 1 Corinthians 15. The Word of God is so pure. It's so wonderful and rich. And we should view it. You know, I have a friend of mine, a dear, close friend of mine, who will not even take his Bible and set it on the floor. I ask him, why Why won't you do that? It's the Word of God. Now, I'm not making this a rule, thou shalt not put the books on the floor. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that's one person's take on the Word of God. That's how much he loved it, and that's how much he esteemed it, that he wouldn't even put it on the floor in front of his seat and stuff like that. Do you esteem the Word of God in your lives? Is it one of the most important books or the most important book in your library? If not, it should be. And you should want to dig into it and glean from it every ounce of knowledge that you can about our Lord and Savior. Because in these books, he has revealed time and time and time again his character, his love for us. And yes, it is filled with blessings. and It is filled with promises of that which will come. The Word of God. Let the Word of God speak to you richly today. Let it wash you. Let it cleanse you. We prayed that the hospital doors would be open and the sick would come in. Welcome to our hospital, a place where Jesus heals. He's chief of staff. You are sure.
0: When Jesus left earth following His resurrection, His followers weren't sure what was next. They had instructions from their Lord and Savior, but not much else. However, they chose to trust that what Jesus said was true and was going to change their lives. It did. The Holy Spirit came upon them, and they began to minister to the world in ways they'd never have been able to do on their own. Is Jesus asking you to follow His instructions today? Maybe He's only given you a piece of the journey, or maybe He's asking you to wait. Take a cue today from the members of the early church. Trust Jesus to come through with His promises and change your life. We're so glad you tuned in to Assure Hope. We'd like to hear from you and learn how we can be praying for you. So please give us a call. Our number is 609-884-5821. If you'd like to hear more messages from this series in the book of Acts, you'll find them at assurehoperadio.com. There are several teachings on various books of the Bible available online for download. And we encourage you to share them with your friends and family. You can also receive a CD copy of today's message by calling us. Again, our number is 609-884-5821. That's all we have time for today. We're so glad we can share God's Word with you through this ministry. Pastor Dave will have more to share from this verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of the Book of Acts. So we hope you'll join us again right here on A Sure Hope.